Welcome to another episode of Stock Talk here on Periscope and also on podcast form. Uh, this, this episode will be available on the iTunes website shortly. Welcome. My name is Amin Reina. I'm an investment coach here at Sage Investors, and this is episode 63. Now, I want to take a little bit of a trip back in time to about 1999. Specifically, well, I, I don't have sound effects, so I'm just going to have to go with that. So we'll do that. So we're back in 1999. And in 1999, the president at the time, Bill Clinton, and the Republican, pretty much Republican-controlled Congress at the time, signed into law what is known, what was known as the Financial Services Modernization Act. Big term. And it was essentially meant to replace the old Financial Services uh, Act, which was called the Glass-Steagall Act. And basically what that new Modernization Act did was it essentially deregulated the whole financial services industry, meaning that traditionally banks could only own other banks. You couldn't, a bank couldn't own an insurance company, couldn't own a wealth, wealth management company. Uh, it was pretty just very stovepiped. And with the new act in 1999, the one that uh, Clinton signed into law, basically got rid of a lot of those restrictions. So banks could buy anybody. They could buy insurance companies, they could buy wealth management companies, and that's what happened. So you had companies like Citigroup and Bank of America, basically, instead of just being a bank, became the sort of one-stop shopping for financial services. And it was a boom time, and you had all kinds of uh, huge monster super banks being created, super financial services companies created, creating all kinds of exotic financial products that consumers like you and me were snapping up like, like anything. Stock market was, you know, well, we're in the dot-com dot com era, but soon after that, we saw a nice boom in stock prices. And the financial services industry was cranking out all kinds of products and engaging in all kinds of practices and that were not necessarily being overlooked. They were creating all kinds of products like subprime mortgages, uh, subprime mortgages that would be bundled up and sold off as uh, other investment products, which would be attached with a AAA security, uh, AAA rating, which was blessed by a lot of the Stan Standard & Poor's, Moody's, and all that stuff. So it was a golden time, you know, you could just take garbage products, garbage assets and bundle them and all of a sudden they became very valuable and people got commissions, investment banks made tons of money sending it. Golden time for the financial services, people got bonuses, CEOs were making ridiculous amounts of money. The whole beginning of this whole inequality movement really was going well. Financial services where you wanted to be for, the, for about 10 years. So then that was when 1999. So, Let's fast forward now to 2007, 2007, 2008, when the whole thing just came crashing down. We had the financial crisis. We had interest rates going up at the time, but then it just stimulated the crash of all these subprime loans. Um, real estate, the whole real estate bubble popped in the US. People lost their homes. People lost their savings. People lost their, their stock portfolios, got killed. Bad time. So then what happened? Well, the government came in and introduced this new act to try to prevent the economy from going into a cliff called the, well, what was it called? The Dodds-Frank uh, Act, which brought back a lot of the regulation um, that the banks and financial institutions had to fall under. 
We had bailouts because we had a whole bunch of investment banks that were on the verge of going under and basically taking the whole world economy with it. Ugly time. A lot of people lost a lot of time, a lot of money, and it was tough. So, Amin, why are you... We know this. Like, we've, we went through this. We know what this is about. What, where are you going with this? Well, let's flash back to right now. The current or new administration led by the Donald, or as I like to call him, I'm going to be calling him from now on the Mad King um, for a variety of reasons, um, issued an executive order last week basically saying that he would like to go back in time and get rid of all the regulations that have been instituted since the financial crisis and go back to what things were back in 1999, where we had the banks and Wall Street had basically a free run to do whatever the hell they wanted to do. Essentially, so the Mad King, and with the help of his financial minions, who just all happened to be from Wall Street, uh, from Goldman Sachs and all these big ass uh, investment banks, are kind of huddled together and say, you know what, we want to get it back into the hot tub time machine and go back to 1999. And it's interesting because the Mad King, in terms of justifying why he wants to go back to the time before, way back before the financial crisis, he was saying, well, my friends, my friends, quote unquote, my friends, are really having a hard time getting loans, which is completely garbage because if you look at the stats, loans have been going up in the last seven years since the financial crisis. So, what the hell? Um, how do we deal with this? Well, one of the reasons why I started my practice, my investment coaching practice, uh, about 2012 is when I started, um, had a lot to do with this what happened in 2008 and all the things leading up to it. I saw so many people getting hurt for no valid reason. And I saw a lot of institutions kind of getting away. And sort of my aha moment, which I want to share with you, um, I've shared with, if you've listened to any of my podcasts or interviews I've done, uh, if you go on my website, uh, sageinvestors.ca, you can listen to some of these pod interviews that I've done. Because people ask me, how the hell did you get into this? How did you become an investment coach? Well, the big reason why I became, I had my aha moment was 2011. I was in, I was finishing up my MBA and I was doing my last project, which uh, happened to be uh, going to China and Hong Kong. So I was in Hong Kong and I was at a, at a function uh, and the guest speaker, the keynote speaker was the chairman or the CEO of Numura Securities. And he his talk was about the financial crisis. Basically, he went into incredible detail about what, um, what he did to get his company through that period. And it was a very tough period. And he talked very in incredible detail what he did to take care of his employees, take care of the business, and keep things going and surviving through that really stressful period. And I found it interesting that he, he went through incredible detail talking about what he was doing to save the company, but he didn't talk about anything about what he did to help his customers. And I go, hmm, that's interesting. It seems to be just about self-preservation. A little bit later, after his speech, we were all like mingling and you know hobnobbing and stuff. He, I ended up in a group with this with this gentleman. I forget his name though, and uh, he basically said, um, I asked him. I said, like, uh, it's interesting. You've done a lot of stuff to keep your company alive and help your employees survive and you know keep their jobs. But what did you? What steps did you take to help your customers? And he came back and said, Amin, there's two things. Um, the first thing is financial crisis." crises or crises, they happen, you know, you can count on these things happening every 10 years. So nobody should be surprised that these things happen. And I go, okay. 
The second thing he said though, is that investors need to understand when they're putting their money into stocks and investing in stocks or making investments, that they have to realize that they could lose their money. And I thought, you know what? He's kind of right, because <laughs> investing is risk, because this is about risk. Anytime you make an investment decision, you're incorporating risk, that there's a probability that you could lose your money, some or all of it. So I kind of get that. But I just found the response to be very um, sanitized. There really wasn't that kind of empathy for his customers. And I'm going, you know what? If a big place company like that isn't really showing any empathy or sympathy for his customers, then why should, like who's, who's helping? Like how, how is the average person supposed to get through this? Or supposed to get through these things? Who's, who's looking out for them? And to me, it just, it just said, you know what? There has to be a better way to do this because the average person is gonna get screwed no matter what. The institutions are gonna make their money. The banks and the financial institutions are gonna make their money. What about the rest of us? And that's sort of, you know, with the work that I was doing, I was doing a lot of managing at the time. And I thought, you know what? There's gotta be a way to combine some of this stuff that I know as being a manager, as a coach, and kind of leverage and teach people how to make decisions for themselves, how to become more financially literate on themselves and not have this dependency on financial institutions. And that's that's how my company started. That's how Sage and that's how my practice started. That's how Sage Investors started. So I, I work with I work, and that's what I do. And everything I do is driven that. And it was driven by those events. Really, those events during the financial crisis were that catalyst for me, for my business, and for for, for what I do. And, and you know, I'm looking back. It's just I, I'm. It's awesome, and the, the ability now to help people to be more financially literate and make their own decisions is a big thing. So the question now is, with the Mad King now saying he wants to go back to 1999 and have you know Wild West in terms of financial services, we're faced with two choices, all of us. We can either go along with it and go back to 1999 and follow things through and do the same things we did back then. And it's pretty much, you know, uh, you know, fool me once, shame on you, and fool me twice, shame on me. We can do that. Or we can take control of the situation and get rid of that dependency. You know, we're still gonna work with those institutions, but we need to work with them on our terms. So this is the whole concept. So what, I, what I'm actually saying right now, given the events that are happening now, the way things are shaking out, the time has come now for really, this is really for me, I'm just admissioning you people, just it's really a call to action time. You gotta start taking control of your finances on your own because clearly the message, especially I'm talking really real with my, with my American friends, my, who I, you know, I love and, and respect incredibly, it's time to take control of your investments. It's time to continue, you know, the time for dilly-dallying is, is over. It's time, it's, it's go time. So what does that mean? It means people need to start really elevating their competency levels in, in three areas. And I, if you hear me on my, uh, on my on the previous episodes and you go to my website and you've worked with me, people have worked with me as a coach, they know there's three elements that really help people become successful investors. And that's being educated, the triple E I call it, educated, engaged, and empowered. Educated, understanding the mechanics of how to make investment decisions, how to read an income statement, how to analyze a company, how to analyze the external environment, 
how to how to determine what the stock's value is, the mechanical side, but then there's the emotional side, the behavioral side, the things that screw us up. Understanding those behaviors that can really screw with our decision making. That element. So you got we got to up our game there. We got to up our competency level in that way. Second thing we need to do is we need to engage in the process. We can't just sit back and assume that people that we give our money to, that people that we outsource our money to, are going to be making decisions in our best interest. One of the things that the Mad King is starting to do is wants to roll back is this whole concept of fiduciary duty, which means that uh, financial institutions uh, need to look out for the customer's best interest before their best interest. He wants to get rid of that. So it's basically saying banks can just work for their own self-interest. Is that good? I don't think that's a good thing for people like you and me. So we need to be more engaged. We need to start asking people that we're working with, with the, with the banks and our advisors, we need to ask them hard questions. We need to ask them pointed questions. And if they can't answer the question, we'll find somebody who does. So that's part of the other thing that I do as, as a coach, is engaging people, getting people, getting people involved in the investing process. And the final thing is empowerment. Because after education and after engagement, empowered is confidence. It's creating that independent, independency in terms of how people are controlling their life. We need to be developing these skills now. And it's more evident than ever because clearly the Mad King and Wall Street, they have no interest in looking out for us. They could care less what happens to us. So it's, the line has been drawn and we need to start challenging. And so that's kind of really what I want to talk about is, and that's what I hope, uh, what I want to talk about is, is that we start to get really engaged in our own investing process. We need to start getting more engaged in our financial destiny and plotting out, developing a strategy, developing a plan and making it happen instead of being dependent on uh, these institutions. So that's my, that's just what I wanted to share with you. And it's really important. I really feel strong in, in upcoming episodes. I'm going to be hitting on this quite a bit. And it's something I really feel strongly for. You know, I do it anyway. I've done it anyway. I didn't need a mad king in, a, in Wall Street to get into a hot tub time machine to go back to 1999 to get people more engaged in the investing process. They've just basically drawn the line in the sand now. And we got to say, okay, it's on. So important things. You got to make a decision. Do you want to just keep going and do make the same mistakes we made the last 10 years? Or do we want to take control of our lives and take control of our situation? That's the key thing I want to make you want to, I want to leave you with today. If you have any questions about this, feel free to give me a shout. Um, you can catch me through Twitter. My handle is at Sage Investors, or you can follow me, uh, go to my website, www.sageinvestors.ca. Hit me with an email about this. If you want me to talk about some other topics, um, be happy to talk about it. And, uh, <clears throat> and yeah, let's engage. Let's start taking control of, of the situation. Um, as I said, this episode's on podcasts. Um, we're on iTunes now, so you can download this episode on iTunes. And if you want to subscribe to all our other episodes, we have a whole whack of uh, podcasts on there now. Uh, subscribe, leave some comments. It'd be really great to, to hear from people about the show. And uh, yeah, let's do it. So that's all I got for you today. <clears throat> this is another episode of Stock Talk. Uh, my name is Amon Reina of Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Take care. Cheers.